0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. So, uh, for this episode, it's actually going to be a bonus one. Um, In addition to all of the faction talk we've been doing, we're uh, we're actually kind of wrapping up that one. We only got, uh, I believe, like three episodes left. One for Targaryens, and uh, then two for Neutrals. But uh, we felt, you know, it's been a little while since we've had uh, Brett on, and it's been kind of way too long since we've talked about anything other than you know the new units and whatnot for all the different uh factions for the 2021 update so um you know we uh decided to kind of do this bonus episode to give you guys a little little change up but with that said uh i do want to thank uh brett for uh coming on for this one yeah it's
1: my pleasure um sorry, I'm a little bit congested. No worries. I was negative on my Corona test. Um, I guess I'm just getting old. And so now my sinuses and the rest of my body are no longer uh, immune. So that said, um, it's really good to be here. And um, uh, I'm ready to kind of talk. Um, I think we want to just talk, you know, we want to avoid some of the complaints that people are probably tired of hearing so we just kind of want to maybe give some people some ideas to try some things maybe they haven't tried before or to kind of just update from what i've seen i'm back i'm back uh into the tournament scene on tts as much as i can be um and playing some games locally i've tried a lot of really different stuff that uh you know it's kind of not what you would expect and i i've had some really nice success with it so uh yeah, essentially we just want to talk about that.
0: Yep, I mean if you would give the, you know, we're going to just kind of call this the, you know, the title is just pretty much going to be the ever-changing meta. Uh, you know, we're going to kind of talk about, you know, the meta and, and with and how it uh is kind of, you know, changing from 1. uh um 6 to 2021 and Um, things to expect and things to try out. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Um, there's been kind of a lot of negativity and, you know, some of it I have to agree is justified. Again, going back to a different episode, we talked about it, that it's gotta be, you know, we gotta try to do our best to make it constructive. Um, you know, kind of shouting into the void is definitely no way to get your, you know, thoughts, uh, across uh or have them received well anyways so we're definitely looking uh to kind of make this a a more positive show but also you know um just kind of help people that are kind of stuck uh right now with their faction and may not know you know what to kind of do with them um you know it's really no surprise to a lot of people. Uh, I shouldn't say surprise, but I think it's, you know, most people would agree on the general idea of the strength of most of the factions. So, um, you know, maybe we can, we can possibly like touch on, you know, what to kind of help out some of the, some of the factions that are considered on the lower end of that spectrum. Uh, cause I definitely believe they have a decent shot, um, you know for example uh, our tournament we just had uh, I took starks and it was able to just barely pull out a uh, first place with them you know so there's definitely uh um you know po- you know possibilities for for every faction cuz in my opinion I I find starks more at the bottom end of that that spectrum but um out of the realm of possibility for anyone to win even against uh you know, the strongest stuff out there. Uh, but let's start off with you, Brett. What What's kind of your thoughts on the, the overall, uh, meta from 1.6 to 2021?
1: Um, it's definitely different. Um, they have in a lot of ways, they, they, um, they did what they said, you know, and uh, toned down some of the damage. Um, but we have seen a lot of uh, a lot of increase in some panic damage, right? Uh, you've got the Lannisters, the Free Folk, Greyjoys, and to some degree the Boltons, you know, with uh, intimidating presence. But intimidating presence in general, you've seen the panic damage kind of increase, whereas. You know, nearly everybody's lost some attack dice and things of this nature. So it's kind of, it's a lot more difficult to just flat out one shot a unit. Now, don't get me wrong, it can be done. I literally just saw it happen today. But it's not super common for that to happen. Um, but the the panic damage does feel like it's really punishing. So I think... Um, I think the stock in things with Vicious in anything that's, that's uh, modifying morale has substantially gone up. Other than that, I think for the most part it's kind of business as usual. You're trying to get to the point where you out-activate, maybe even out-activate and out-deploy your opponent so you can set your, your hero units, as it were, your powerful units. You want to set them up to be best in position to go get the kills and uh, you're taking advantage of that tempo and the the double-tapping units and things like that. Uh, It's just that now it's way less common, especially for, like, five-point units, to be able to reliably do heavy, heavy damage. Uh, The Stark Sworn Swords still hit pretty hard, but they're not super enabled by the deck as they were before. Uh, Stark Fury is now conflicting with all of their orders and all of their cards, of course, so you don't have those crazy attacks like you had before when Stark, Sworn Swords were hitting on a 3+, plus. they had critical blows, you could give them Sundering, you could give them Vicious, things like this. So, for the most part, I think the game is definitely, it's, like it's moved in a very, very positive direction. There's just a couple of things that need tweaks. but as always, I'm 100% confident that, that Fabio and Michael, in particular, as well as all of the other little birdies that they have running around, are paying attention to these tournaments, paying attention to these games, taking notice of trends, taking notice of what's auto-include, and uh, since I'm, I'm really sure of it.
0: Yeah, and that brings up uh, a great point with, um, you know, s- certain tournaments that we see uh, are are not doing any restrictions some are are putting some restrictions and um I have to say that I'm I'm right kind of in the middle I I can definitely see both sides of the story for that um so it uh you know I definitely think there's actually pro like really good pros to both um now I think if a group sees certain things as too big of a problem and you're, you're doing it just straight up for the fun and, to kind of keep people from, you know, being too mad about something, then, you know, if you have to make like a house rule for a tournament that, you know, that's what you got to do. I mean, either people will show up for it or they won't. Um, uh, for example, Gamers Haven is, has some restrictions. I won't go into the list of them, but I mean, they have a pretty good turnout, uh, uh, Based on their um sign ups, then again, uh, I completely understand the tournaments that don't want to make any restrictions uh, and for the key reason of you know simon needs data, you know they're not going to make a rash uh, or like quick change to something just because people are outraged on the internet now, I'm not saying that outrage isn't is or isn't justified, but you know it's it's hard to gauge uh whether or not something needs to be changed just because people complain about it. they need to see results they need to see the data and by restricting units and not even allowing that data to exist uh, you know that kind of hurts it in that sense, so I think the meta uh will kind of shape up in in a couple weird ways in in that instance cuz you're going to have you know the tournaments with their restrictions and you're going to have these outcomes which are going to kind of throw a wrench in that data uh and then you're going to have the other tournaments with no restrictions and you're going to be like all right we we see this we see this um you know and what do we need to address it and it does kind of suck in the sense that you know you, you kind of have to go through these growing pains as a community uh, if we want to see you know some of the stuff you know changed because if we don't play it, there's still a chance that they might change it. They might have not seen something initially and then they'll play test it themselves behind the scenes. but there's probably a handful of stuff that if we restrict it every time that CMON might not agree with us that it's too good, and without that data, it might never get changed. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Brett?
1: No, I completely agree. Um, I understand um, I understand that people are frustrated, and, you know, a lot of times I, I address the community, and sometimes people, you know, they think that I'm always just taking CMON's side, and they just think that I'm some like corporate guy, like I don't officially work for CMON, right? I'm not on their payroll. I just really express how I feel. And I do genuinely believe that, yes, a lot of this stuff is frustrating. Yes, facing uh, double Night's Watch crossbows with Watch Captain is frustrating. Yes, facing uh, call Drogo, who has uh, expert duelist, but you can't expert duelist him back, it's frustrating. But... At the same time, there is some merit to the fact that maybe give the meta a fair chance to work itself out because I think people were so overly frustrated with dragons and mammoths coming into 1.6, and so many people felt like they were just like super unbalanced and uh, a lot of complaining started to happen and people were just like, yeah, how did this get through playtesting? Why do we have to deal with this? This is so ridiculous. And I think they lost a lot of that patience at the end of 1.6, So when 1.7 happened, I think that um, to some extent they expected the version to be almost perfect, right? Of course, it will never be perfect, but they expected something like really, really balanced. And, you know, a couple of things are a little bit of NPE, so they just kind of lost all of their patience. Because what I've observed through um, watching TTS games and just not even necessarily just tournament games, But I talk a lot with the Gamers Haven group. I talk a lot with guys across the sea. You know, I talk to a lot of people in this community, not just Americans. And, you know, I'm seeing that people are trying new stuff and they're finding some success with it. And I'm seeing that people are building hard counters to Night's Watch. People are figuring out, like, yeah, you know, these missions don't really favor this Night's Night's Watch stuff because it's so aggressive. And most importantly, I think that the meta right now is like a healing meta. So anything that you can, anytime that you can build a list that has not just defensive staying power, but if you have a ton of healing power, I think for the most part, you can get through some of that stuff, right? Because uh, in particular, the Nightwatch Watch Ranger Hunters and the Nightwatch Watch Crossbows, they're just not playing missions. They're there, that list only functions to kill. So if you can take that away from them and they can't do the killing that they want to do, then you've got a good chance to beat them. So um, I think that the meta is evolving every single day. We're seeing some, we're seeing, if you just go by A Song of Ice and Fire Stacks, which is it's definitely a very good resource to give you a good idea of like generally what's going on in the meta, you would see that Nightwatch and Targaryen are up at the top and they're literally almost every day. They're just flip-flopping who's number one and who's uh, number two. And, um, and then you see that Lannisters, Greyjoys and Starks are actually kind of in Free Folk as well are fighting for that middle spot. And then you've kind of got Baratheons that are a good ways behind, but um, uh, yeah. I don't really know where I'm going, Bob. You're letting me ramble a little bit. Um, I just think that the meta is evolving, and with a little bit more patience and a little bit more, you know, willingness to put into it and try some new things out, I think that uh, I think that you'll see the meta shape up. I don't think Margarians yeah, and-, and Nightwatch are going to be bumped out of their top spot. I do think they're the two most powerful. But of those two, is one clearly more powerful than the other? I don't really think so. And they're both – you can beat them with other armies by playing the mission. But I think you and I were talking as well, Bob, um, Dave, and uh, a lot of the time I don't see people playing Lannister Guardsmen. And I think Lannister Guardsmen are a really, really good unit, not just for beating um, Night's Watch crossbows, but I think they're just a really good unit in general as a um, as a kind of retribution unit. I think they pack a lot of punch and they're just not being used because I think for a lot of people, they don't fit into their ideology
0: of, of how a list should be made. Yeah, and I think uh, it's going to take some... It's going to take a lot of play testing. Uh I mean, because I know 2021 has been out for quite a bit right now. But, uh, I mean, what, how many months has it been on, out, would you say? What uh, what month did it come out in? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm actually
1: not 100% sure. Was it like April, May, maybe? No. I can't even really remember. I know we did Vision for a long time, but we didn't have a full – 2021 until it had to have been April May. It couldn't have been much
0: sooner, right? Let's see. Uh, I'm looking at their articles right now. So, 2021 digital update was that the drop? Let's see. You've been keeping up with our visions, flames. Yeah. The 20,
1: uh, 2021 digital update was where. They so that basically, was. You know, updated mid May
0: yeah that yeah, was so mid may so we're looking at uh what june july we're in mid august so roughly uh three months yeah so we've had twenty twenty one twenty twenty one out for like officially three months in its full uh to you know just completely go go to town with ideas and lists um As far as I can tell, we haven't had any major events. Uh, I think the first, like, real major one is going to be the Gamer's Haven coming up this weekend. Uh, So, with that said, think about when the game first dropped. You know, three months after the game dropped, there was things that people were still discovering, uh, you know, like trying to figure out if uh, Counterplot could stop Winter's Coming. Now, granted, a lot of people have a lot better grasp of the game, and so that process will definitely be accelerated. But I still think that three months allows for a lot of time to uh, experiment and figure out things that you might not have realized, or combos, or just things that you can do with the factions. Uh, For example, I'm not a big fan of... Stark trackers. I really am not. I I think they're a little too weak, but even with that said, um, I my uh, Stark list that I use to take first place runs a unit of them. Why? Because I stuck Rob Commander in them, and with that free retreat uh, to from the trackers combined with Rob's ability to heal two plus one forever rank that they're missing allows me to what I do with the unit is um, I march past the well not completely past the objective but I march until the objective is at the back end of my tray every time you attack me I retreat one inch away so I'm still controlling the objective I get two VPs a turn and I heal from whatever damage you just did to me, I did uh you know however many hits back to you based on your ranks uh that's a free uh retreat if I haven't activated yet, I then shoot you uh if you decide to somehow charge me twice in a game then or sorry in a round I have his uh his own taxes card that lets me retreat. Um, and then not only that, you know, when you retreat one inch back like that, unless they like get way into your flank, um, you know, nothing else can then charge you except for the thing that just charged you. So you're protected from that unit that's already more than likely activated and they're going to have to get like a free charge somehow. Um, so, you know, like I said, even though I really don't care for that unit, um, you know, It just goes to show that there's certain units that require certain attachments sometimes to really show their their full potential. Um, And there's definitely other things you can do with that unit. They might not be nearly as optimized, but it just comes down to kind of trying to take some of the things that you're not too impressed with and just trying to play the heck out of them. Um, you know, i was mentioned a couple times on the show when we're talking about the factions, and there's things that I think might be too weak. Uh, and then I go, you know what? Um, you know, I really haven't played it enough, so this is my initial thoughts. I think it might be a little too weak, but I'm gonna, you know, now that I think about it, I'm gonna take a chance to really try to play play a bunch of that NCU or whatnot to really. You know, solidify whether or not I I still believe that they're a little too weak for what they do. Um, So I think there's there's still we're still in like the discovery uh, process because you know three months worth with you know lockdowns still uh, in a lot of areas um, or just straight up restrictions. uh, There definitely isn't as many games going on as people might think. Uh, unless you're in, you know, a certain you know, certain areas. Um, you know, there's a lot of people still kinda of hesitant to go out. So uh, you know even I you know, i I play like minimum eight games in person a week, uh and upwards of, you know, let's see, uh five, ten, uh upwards of thirteen a week and you know even I have not discovered everything um, uh you know there's i've i would say I've discovered most things in most factions, but you know even with you know eight to thirteen games a week uh in person uh there's still lots I haven't discovered
1: yeah and i'm 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 really glad that you brought up the one point four because this is this is something that I've said, and again, you know, when I talk to the community, it's, it's kind of a mixed reviews as to how it's received. But I, I specifically remember uh, when Night's Watch had initially come out, and I think this was even before 1.4. It's what, what, do you know what version it was when Gen Con 2019 happened? Because I started playing, like, right when Night's Watch was brand new. Um, yeah, at any rate, it's, it's, it's irrelevant, whether it was 1.1 or 1.4. Point being, you had the Jon Snow veterans. You had 6.4 brothers. You had Ranger Trackers. Bowen Marsh was three points. Crasser was three points, of course, which he still is. You had the Amon Healing and, you know, things like this. And, and the general consensus from the community was, oh, Night's Watch is just crazy overpowered. You just can't beat them. You can't do anything about the Jon Snow veterans. And once they're on a point, you can't move them off. And they'll just kill you and flank you with Sworn Brothers and destroy you. It's just impossible to win. Night's Watch is so overpowered. It was like, you know, I kind of fought into that a little bit because I was still getting my feet wet with Tyrion. And I was like, man, it was like normally I play, I play against Starks. I play against... Uh, you know, other Lannisters with the High Sparrow or something. Um, I play against Free Folk, and I, I can really do a lot with Tyrion. Like, I can control their card play, and, like, I've done all this work to remember all of these cards, and I know what I need to stop, but it's like with Watch, what can I really do? Like, there's so, there's so many cards to stop, because Bowen Marsh is getting three when he claims the letters. Crasser is going to get you another card. Uh, the horn that wakes the sleeper is going to be in there. These guys might end up with seven, eight cards in round one. And it's like, well, what do I stop? I don't know. You have to stop the watcher on the wall, but then do you free up? It shall not end. You know, and it was, it was really frustrating, but then, you know, things kind of leveled out and you kind of figured out how to beat it. You know, you, you kill the army around Jon Snow. You, you do things like this and you, you start to wait to attack a unit. You know, you don't, you don't attack a unit and allow the sworn brothers to have a watcher on the wall when they haven't activated. And these are things that just took some time and some games and some trial and error to figure out. And to some degree, I think that's true now. Initially, I think almost everybody would just go headfirst into the crossbows, and they would send their their powerful unit into the crossbows, and and they would take eight or nine wounds from them. Well, then the cons would just heal them up. And then you did nothing and at the end of it the crossbows are fully healthy they retreat from you they shoot you and then your your hero unit's dead and then it just collapses after that so i think uh, you know you started to understand you have to kill the conscript uh, as much as it hurts being shot by the crossbows you have to threaten the crossbows with something and then you have to find ways to get rid of the conscript and then you worry about the crossbows because if you engage the crossbows and leave the conscript alone You'll never kill because the conscripts will keep them healed. This is, of course, just one example, but it's it's a similar type of evolution, and and I think that people are having some success fighting these Nightwatch builds because they've started to explore some things that can just go get rid of the conscripts. Whether it's the Red Cloaks panicking them multiple times, uh, you know, adding Joffrey to those panic tests, using Cersei to spam the Hear Me Roars, and just blasting them with panic (laughs) or whether it's using melisandre melisandre and jock and hagar to drop two really nasty panic tests on them you know it's things like this and they're getting rid of the conscripts and then all of a sudden you find yeah they're you know they're a lot more beatable now
0: yeah and you know i wanted to uh you know uh, go back to what you are talking about The um, what version it was. I'm pretty sure it was 1.4. The reason I say that is 1.5 came out um, I want to say uh, at the start, or like the first week of December in 2019, and so Gen Con was like August, so I can't imagine that it was anything less than 1.4 at that point, because it was only like three, yeah. three or four months prior. So, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, the meta is definitely going to shape up very interestingly with Night's Watch, um, especially because I think uh, a lot of Night's Watch players are going to, like, the the super obvious builds, like the super powerhouse builds, and that's allowing for a lot of um, players to make, like, let's say their second list just be a hard counter to a very specific faction and uh, list. You know, it's it's one thing to tailor tailor your list to a faction. It's another to kind of have a general idea of exactly what your opponent will run. Um, and so I think nice Watch have to be discovered as well for that reason. I think a lot of people are, you know, kind of stuck on what's considered, like, the powerhouse at the moment. And, uh, you know, I'll keep going back to this, but, you know, everyone's favorite, you know, way to run Starks, you know, was, like, max activations.
1: <clears throat>
0: but I always had the most success with a more mid-activation play style with, uh, with Starks. And then running Blackfish uh, and a couple, you know, running an all-out offensive list, with just a couple defensive elements to keep those offensive units alive, combined with their, you know, super offensive tactics deck. Uh, I think there's just, there's so many different playstyles that you can develop with each faction that, uh, you know, people kind of, and we talked about this in another episode, people kind of get stuck in this meta headspace. Uh, I believe we had on... Um, uh Brian from Big Top Gaming uh where we talked about the the trappings of uh meta mentality. Uh if you guys haven't listened to that one, uh really that that one that's one of the shows that will pretty much age really well uh and will pretty much apply to, you know, the lifetime of this game or in a lot of cases any game. So definitely go and check that one out. That one's a bit older, though, so you might have to scroll down the, the episode list quite a bit. That was an amazing episode. Uh, it's probably in my top, easy top ten, but it might even be in my top five uh, episodes we've ever done. Um, but, yeah, the, you get kind of sucked into this meta meta mentality of what has to be good uh, and what has to be played. Now, I will agree that there is a rule of thumb, Uh but I I think that um, it's not a hard and fast rule. It's, it's just kind of the rule of thumb of what is generally better for the meta. But sometimes the anti-meta can be your answer to the meta. Uh, you know, running something completely out there because uh, that throws... Um, a wrench of people's plan. For example, you know, you you run something completely out there against a bunch of players who are so used to seeing the same, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, cookie cutter uh, lists and builds, um, you know, that they're not quite sure how to handle your list. Or sometimes they might not they might not understand what you're trying to do with it until it's too late. Like with my blackfish list, I would just charge my Berserkers headlong because uh, more often than not, I don't know if it's just good luck, but I would almost always have um, set for charge, uh, especially early, uh, early Starks when I could Sansa straight forward if I needed it. You know, I would just charge them headlong. I would choose to go first, even if my opponent had a, a ranged unit, and I would charge my units headlong, and then they go, oh, okay, I'll charge you. And I'd go, okay, set for charge. Hit you back. You hit me very soft because now I just hit you. I'm going to take the free attack, uh, possibly kill you, and then my unit still hasn't activated. And so, uh, and so basically, by the first action of the f- of the second round, I've potentially already killed the unit. And from there, it's just an uphill battle all game for my opponent. Uh, then that's just an example of. You know, playing a style or list that plays a certain strategy that your opponent is not really aware of what you're trying to do, and they fall into a trap. You know, the trap of you know the meta that you are supposed to play a certain way with a certain faction, um, or even that way with a certain list. <clears throat> and a commander can make all the difference. For example, like uh, a lot, pretty much all of that uh, strategy I had all really came down to just having Blackfish, you know, and people always kind of criticized me because it was an entire list of Umbers, but I had Blackfish Commander. They're like, well, why in the world? You have no, not only do you have no Tully units other than, you know, and he's in, but why aren't you just running Great John? It's like, it's just, it doesn't play to the style uh, or the, you know, the strategy that I have in mind, so.
1: Trappings of the meta episode was good and I think I think it'll always have to be true I think it'll always be true you know no matter what happens with the game there's always going to be some ideology of how things should be played or or there's going to be some things that are just auto include and I think I'm not saying right that it's a hundred percent the way that it has to be but but right now I think most people competitively playing are aiming for 5-3 or 6-3. Those seem to be the numbers that people go for a lot, meaning 5 combat units, 3 NCUs. I am of the opinion that that, while it's very effective and it is very good, I am of the opinion, and I have some games that are logged to prove it, that uh, 6-2 can work pretty well. And in some cases, 5-2 can work uh, as well. And I know there's a lot of people, uh, I think, the change to 2021 has changed it for some people. You know, now there's no free commander NCU, and there's no three pointers left. So some people have transitioned away from from three NCU, and they've moved into two, and they're happy with it. But if you haven't even tried it, and you're really afraid to try it, it's definitely worth trying. It's a trapping that you don't want to get stuck in. Because I think right now, just using myself as an example, I think I have 14 or 15 games logged on stats. Of those 14 or 15 games, I've lost three. All three games that I lost were with three NCU, and that's not saying I lost because I ran a three NCU, but they were all with three NCUs, and I think I've logged six or seven games with two NCUs, and I've won every single one of them. So it's not like you just automatically lose if you don't have three NCUs. Now, I know that it can be kind of a feel-bad if you're running two NCU and you run across somebody that's running Walder Frey as a third, I think that there's merit to having one list that has three NCUs, one list that has two. This way, if you run into Walder Frey as a third NCU, you fall back no matter what into your three NCU list. So that that will be really bad, right? If, <laughs> if somebody's running Walder as a third, you're going to have a very bad game, I think. But outside of that, you know, Illyrio exists. He's really good for Targaryen. Uh, you don't necessarily want him to be able to heal whenever he wants, and then NCU is another example. Like he's really, really good. You don't necessarily want to give him, you know, the the free shot whenever he wants. But it's I think it's not the end of the world um, with Athel, but uh, or Illyrio. But Walder can definitely be pretty crippling if they're having him as a third NCU. But my point being, you should try at least give a try to the two NCU, especially if you're able to get a 6-2. Um, my 6-2 lists have been Targaryen, and those six out of those six units, two of them have Relentless. So I've essentially got ten activations, but it's six field drops. And when you're playing people that are running 4-3 or 5-3, and you've got six drops, that means that you can usually get one or two drops at the very end and you're getting to pick the cards that you – or the matches that you really, really want. You're getting to set your, your most powerful units, your really mobile units. You're getting to put them across from the units that you want them fighting. I'm running two hurakars right now, along with a total of three mercenaries. One of those mercenaries has Grey Worm. Two of those mercenaries have the Unsullied Officer. And in that – it's Grey Worm Commander. And in that list, I'm running Khaleesi as an NCU. And then between uh, Solo Jorah, who's my sixth combat unit, Khaleesi, and Battle Endurance, you have so many ways to give all of those units rerolls. Like, it's just incredible how much damage even the Stormcrow Mercenaries can do when they're always rerolling. Because all, Jorah is an order, so it's only once per round. But Khaleesi and Battle Endurance will give you rerolls as long as the unit's alive. Khaleesi, if she's influenced, and, you know, if you've got Battle Endurance and it's the third round or higher, they're always rerolling. But my point being, that list really only works the way that it works because it's a 6-2. If you took out, like, one of the Hurakars and you added a 5-point NCU, you you can't take out Jorah and replace him with an NCU. If you take out one of the Mercenaries and mix things up, then you're dropping two activations. And you don't have a three-point activation to add in there unless you do Friedman. It's not even kind of the same thing. The point is the list strictly functions well because it's a sick trying to mix in three NCUs with that list. You you kind of take what makes the list work away, right? So it's definitely worth trying. I think Lannisters can pull it off as well. You've got a pretty nasty Gregor list that's actually five-two, right?
0: It's uh, pyros, yeah, the Gregor list. Fellas. It could easily be a 5-3, but um, in the list it has Tywin five, and Tyrion. Right. Yeah, so I could definitely work some points and not lose an activation. I actually gain one with an NCU, but I feel like it's just too important to with the way the list currently is. I think Lannisters
1: can pull off 6-2. I think you can get some Port Fellows to get get your activation count up. Um and I think that you can enable some really, really powerful units like the warrior sun or pyromancers.
0: Yeah. And I would argue to say that, uh, poor fellows, um, are right there with conscripts. as like, uh, like the best four point units out there. So like you can really, uh, get your value even with the poor fellows in a, uh, Lannister, um, list. So, uh, but yeah, I definitely agree with like NCUs. Definitely if you're used to a 3 NCU build, I would definitely try out 2 NCUs. Um I think Simon has done an amazing job changing the power level of, you know, 3 NCUs uh and 2 NCUs. I feel like um there is no clear better option. So and which is an amazing thing, you know, it, if you're if you just like 3 NCUs, then you know, you have no in my opinion, no real advantage anymore, Uh, but you aren't really at a disadvantage, unless we're talking specific game modes. But, uh, I think, you know, between, like you were saying, Brett, uh, no NCU commanders and all NCUs being at least four points, I mean, now you, you know, I've said this before, now you actually have to sacrifice uh, on the field to get that, to get three NCUs. Um, and now I feel like it's a, a not a perfect balance, but about as good as they're probably going to get it where, you know, uh, it just comes down to your play style, what you're hoping to achieve with your list. And, uh, you know, I think there is no right or wrong answer. I think it just comes down to personal preference at that point now. Um, I have, I would say I'm pretty close to 50-50 when it comes to list building, whether or not I run three or two, and I think it, I think some factions generally like two, and some generally like three, but again, it's not like some, uh, it's just more of a rule of thumb, in my opinion, and not like a hard and fast rule that you have to, like, just start your lists out at two or three, um, for example, uh free folk, I absolutely love at two NCUs. Greyjoys, I absolutely love at three NCUs. Uh I definitely make both factions, uh, with both types, but you know, it just it kinda comes down to the faction. You know, you, when you have like free folk who only want one spot or when you have grey joys that have so many cheap units um that you can easily afford Uh, three NCUs. I mean, because, like, I guess that's also what comes down to it is when it's easy to afford, then why not run three? You know, obviously, in a vacuum, three is obviously better than two. It's it's one more. But it just comes down to what you have to sacrifice on the field. Now, if you're fortunate like Greyjoy's and you have – some really awesome units for four points like trappers and Bowman, you know, it really helps you free up a lot of points to get that third NCU. So that's, that's kind of my justification for three with Greyjoys is, is just because it's easy. Um, now if it wasn't so easy and I had to sacrifice too many points on the field, then I it probably leaned more towards two. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think the NCU, uh, ratio is definitely in a great spot. Um, my rule of thumb, uh, even competitively, I like running most lists at a uh, a 5-2 or a 4-3 even. Um, I like running a lot of elite lists where I got four hefty uh, combat units, but three NCUs or a 5-2, but then like Free Folk and Gravejoy, because they're more like Horde, uh, I would say, then you just increase that number by one. I either do six, uh, two, or five, three, uh, with them. And occasionally I'll, I'll buff, you know, I'll, I don't make all my lists that way. That's just kind of my rule of thumb personally. Uh, but I do definitely try to sneak in, you know, that eighth or ninth activation depending on the faction. Uh, so, uh, Brett, maybe, uh, we'll, we'll dive into some more specifics, uh, uh, for people. But uh, we'll start with, uh, we'll start with Starks. So what what's your kind of thoughts on the meta for specifically Starks right now?
1: I think um, I think uh, I think almost everybody's going to agree that um, that uh, the Hardened is like the best ability in the game right now. Um, and Starks are the only ones who have Hardened just as an attachment. Now I know the Warrior Suns have a we'll call it a pseudo hardened. It's the same effect as hardened, but they're spending faith tokens to get it. If they had hardened, then they wouldn't need to spend the faith tokens and you'd really never have to worry about it, right? But hardened just working all the time is so amazing. Um, it works on it works on ranged and it works on melee. The thing really, really work is um, some berserkers with um, the Mormont Vet. Uh, And that's giving you a unit that's definitely capable of doing some serious offensive damage, but they're also capable of being pretty defensive at the same time. Uh, So that's one staple in a lot of lists. But um, another thing that you're kind of seeing is uh, the, the she bears because they have war cry, which war cry is probably, you know, maybe the second or third best ability in the game right now. Um, It depends on how you use supply aid, outside of you know the night watch conscripts for just simply because of what it does for night watch you have to put supply aid in that conversation um but otherwise um i think you're looking at hardened and probably war cry as the two best abilities and starks have those on demand i think the difficult thing for starks which is it's really ironic if you consider where they were in 1.6. Starks have a pretty difficult... So even if you uh, start bringing Direwolves into the mix, you can bring Rob Commander and bring Grey Wind, of course, and it's only three points. Outside of that, if you're not, if you're not running Rob, you've got to pay four points for... Or is, is Rickon two? Rickon's one, right? Uh, yes. Rickon and Osha are one point. Okay, so you can get Shaggy Dog for four. But Brandon Hodor or Grey Wind outside of Commander Rob are costing you five points. Um, a lot of other factions have four pointers. But the big, the, and uh, okay, so you pointed out, you know, the, that's still five points or four points for an activation, which is good. It is because Dire Wolves are definitely good. But the other problem is if you're plugging in those attachments just to get your Dire Wolves. You're giving that slot up for some really good attachments because Starks have great attachments right now. Um, The Kranigman Warden with Overwatch is amazing. Bastard Girls with Overwatch, particularly in a Howland Reed list, very, very good. Um, You've got um, the Mormont Vet, which which we already mentioned, and I think even the Sworn Sword Captain is a really strong attachment. Um, You put the Sworn Sword Captain in a unit like Blackguard, or even Holy Sworn Shield, the unit that's innately really defensive and they don't want to attack you, and all of a sudden you're giving them rerolls and a vulnerable token when they attack with that order, it can get pretty nasty and it's a lot harder to ignore that unit. So I think Starks aren't really suffering from units, and they're not really suffering from, um, excuse me, attachments. Um, Stark Outriders are probably a little on the weak side. They're not crazy weak or anything. They could use a tiny little bit of a boost. Um, and I think Tully Cav and Lance Cav in general could use just a little bit of a boost. It's really nice that they have Thundering now. But for that eight-point price tag, I think a lot of times you're looking at Slademan instead because their panic damage ends up being a little bit more reliable and you get some spike damage with the critical blows on the charge and things like this. So, um, Stark? They've got a few things working for them. The, the archers with, with Overwatch are absolutely disgusting. And I, I've seen some Roderick builds with Roderick and archers as well. So I'm not super experienced with Starks. I haven't played them a whole lot. They were never really my go-to faction. I always loved Lannisters and Nightwatch. I started playing Stark online, and it more or less felt like it was a necessity because I absolutely didn't want to play three Folk. Um, I just didn't like the horde insignificant spam. It just made me (laughs) sick to my stomach to play it. So (laughs) uh, I felt like my best chance at winning because the free folk insignificant spam was so popular towards the end was playing starts. So I say that I played starts out of necessity and that's what I mean. I wanted to be able to compete with free folk because they were so popular. Um, I just haven't really messed with them a lot in, in 2021. I've been tinkering around with some Targs lists that don't have uh, Dothraki Screamers, Dothraki Veterans, Dothraki Outriders, or Dragons. So that's been a little bit of an interesting and fun project. I really like the Harakars, so I've been having fun playing with them. And I've mostly been working on Lannisters. I've, I've logged a few games with Nightwatch. Um, definitely they've got that stigma around them. So I'm really liking uh, just playing Lannisters right now. I think Lannisters are one of the most balanced factions out there. Um, they've just got so many cool things. The only problem that I have when I play Lannisters is there's
0: like 30
1: different builds that I want to try, and I can only play one at a time. So that's my only problem I'm having right now.
0: Yeah, and for Starks, you know, they're, uh, there's a lot that... Um, I feel is kinda on the lower end of the spectrum, but I like I said, I think Starks definitely have the potential to do really good. You just have to they're they require a lot more time than a lot of the other factions to kinda figure out how they work and what works best. Um, for example, my uh Rob list I did uh really well at the tournament in is uh Robins uh, Commander and some Cranigman trackers. Uh, just some Stark Sworn Swords with nothing in them, Stark Bowmen with nothing in it, and two House Bolt and Flade Men units with nothing in them. And then I have Catlin and Peter. So the idea is, and this is something we can end up talking about, is I have a ranged unit in there, so I'm not going to be, you know, I'm at least going to trade shots with other ranged units, maybe not this unit to that unit, but, you know, uh not uh, be giving up that free combat uh zone every round if nothing's engaged. Uh I got two mobility units to help me with the Targaryens or just anything in general uh and they're tough. Um you know I got Peter to help me double up or, you know, avoid taking the combat to shoot someone, especially if my opponent doesn't take a diverse list and they have no ranged unit. Let's me take let's say the wealth so that they don't heal, trigger the combat unit. And then I can then take Catelyn on the combat unit if they don't choose to block it. Um, you know, again, like I said with the combo with Rob, you know, you run onto that objective. Um, but the other thing with this list is there, are, other than Rob, because you know you're forced to now. I have no attachments, so uh, you know, expert duelist is a lot less effective. Uh, and I'm just kind of going over a lot of the things that you're going to see. Uh, I think, a lot in a lot of tournaments um, as, you know, the meta. And, you know, I think uh, it's going to be important for Starks more than I think most factions uh, that they're really going to have to diversify between infantry, ranged, and cavalry, and they might have to supplement some uh, neutrals in there to really kind of drive it home. But even with that said, uh, you know, it's Rob commander, uh, with House Bolton is actually pretty thematic. You know, uh, the Boltons, you know, Roos, uh, was fighting alongside Rob for pretty much the majority of the war. It wasn't until like right up at the last second that, you know, uh, Roos turned on him. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's a list that I've had a lot of success with. Um, the, trigger with Stark's sworn swords you know with their stark fury and all the other you know the cards in the deck that have the same trigger not as big of a deal because you only have the one unit of them um so you have plenty of other targets to use your um what is it winter's might and northern ferocity on so uh yeah i would definitely if you guys are having a hard time with starks definitely give this one a go um i know it doesn't have gray wind in there but um you know, I've had a lot of success with it. Um, but yeah, I think Starks, um, you just gonna have to like get, I, I know it's hard to say this cause you know, it, it requires a lot of practice, a lot of like test games, but you really just kind of have to test everything out because, um, it's not easy building Stark lists, At least for me, um, I have a hard time, but I've been able to find a handful that have worked really well. One that worked uh, really well for me was uh, um, I really wanted to try to make great axes work, you know, because in my opinion, they're, again, at the lower end of that spectrum. A lot of people just can't see themselves taking them. Uh, I run two of them in one list. It's great axes with Bruce Bolton Commander, another great axes with Ramsey Snow. Um, So now both units have intimidating presence, one has Fueled by Slaughter, one has the Spread Fear, Um, combined with, uh, is it Northern Ferocity, the one that gives Vicious, and then if you're down ranks, uh, I mean, I have two units that could potentially be doing, um, what is it, minus uh, minus three to the test, and then what do the Great Axes do again? Oh, yeah, plus one wound. So if you're down to last rank, it's like minus three to the test and plus uh, five wounds or something like that with Thundering. Um, and then I got uh, two Mercenaries, both with uh, Sworn Sword Captains, um, Stark Bowman, uh, Catelyn Stark, and Peter again. Um, so there's definitely a lot of interesting, cool things you can do that still work really well. And I think... Uh, you're going to have to kind of bank on the meta in some cases, and you'll be able to kind of drive home a lot of Stark lists because they definitely have a lot of answers to a lot of things. Um, You know, like you were saying, Brett, with us, in my opinion, they have, like, the best generic attachments in the game. Um, You know, with, like, the Mormont Vet and the um, Sword and Sword Captain being, like, the top of the top. Uh, and then a lot of their other ones, like, you know, if we were to put them in like rankings, I'd put both of them in like S tier and I'd put like a bunch of the rest all in like A tier for their generic attachments just because they're so good, you know, considering that they're all pretty much one point, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, I think Starks are, they're in an interesting place. They have a lot of potential. I, I think they just require a lot more playing around and discovering. Um, and then another one that people are kind of having trouble with, we'll discuss, is uh, Baratheons. Uh, I'll, I'll start this one off and say that uh, I think, again, this is another faction that takes a lot of testing, a lot of figuring out what's what, uh, you know, because Spencer, uh, you know, from Small Council, he plays Baratheons, I'd say, 90% of the time. And, you know, he he's really discovered a lot of cool things with them that you can do and we've mentioned them somewhat on the show but you know uh, and a lot of times it's with like um, commanders and stuff that you would never expect like Elden's like the go-to because why not? He has Harden or Courtney because of you know his amazing tactics cards and his plus one tactics card hand size but you know Davos Davos is the only thing in the game that can outflank Bastards Scrolls you put those Bastard Scrolls, um, uh, you know, you get them behind their, behind the enemy, unless they have, like, an ability that lets them get a free maneuver and turn around, uh, you know, they're going to have to spend their activation to turn around. Um, if they don't, then, you know, you're, <laughs> a a shot and a charge in the back with the Bastard Scrolls, there's a good chance that you're just dead. Um, now, uh, or at least you know at least down to last rank um you know combined with all the ways you can get um sentinel for free charges uh either it be with sentinels or with uh um what should we call it what's his Dragonstone name Dragonstone noble Yeah Dragonstone, Dragonstone noble. noble and then uh does his attachment still give um Give it as well if you were to like put him in some flayed man. Yeah, that, so yeah, that's, could, that's what could, his
1: attachment does.
0: So yeah, the the solo and the um and the attachment. So like you could, and that even goes into the playstyle of Davos because Davos has parlay. You run Dragonstone noble the solo, and you get up close to something and you parlay so that your four point can't do anything, but also that you know their powerhouse can't do anything um and then you you could even run that you could run uh sentinels with like bronze, uh because as we discussed on the sh- uh baratheon show and you can make them a three up armor with a five up morale and they'll have sentinel and then you ha- run like flayed men with a dragonstone noble for one point now you, you have three things in your army that all give Sentinel. And remember that Sentinel gives you a free maneuver if you need it. It, it can make you, as a Davos list, so incredibly mobile, uh, your opponent's not really going to know what to attack, when to attack, because you have all these either free charges or just free maneuvers to get into really good positioning. Um, and, you know, especially if you can work it out to where you're going to go first next turn, and you can uh, get Davos on and Parlay, the unit that you wanted to charge in the rear. I mean, stuff like that is, you know, things that people are not going to be expecting in the meta. Because, like I said, the obvious choices are Elden, Courtney, a couple other ones, you know, um, Stannis, the one true king, and so on. That uh, you run something like that, like Davos, with all that shenanigans, and you're probably going to have to play it a handful of times. You're probably going to have to, like, kind of master the craft of that list. But anyone that you didn't, you know, play against with that, you're going to catch them off guard, and they're they're not going to know what hit them. You know, and that's something I like to talk about a lot is that, you know, there's nothing worse for your opponent than throwing a wrench in their plan. Because you have to imagine, especially if you go to a tournament that – most of the people that you play probably have, you know, countless games under their belt. So I would say, you know, 80% of the time when you're making a choice or an action or deciding what order to do something or your game plan will say is already kind of laid out with minor choices in between there. It's not like super often that you have these major uh, choices you throw a wrench in that plan, that's when people get frustrated. They start making mistakes. And now I'm not like advocating for making your opponents mad. I'm just saying that, you know, uh, frustration not like as in like, you know, know, you're playing cheesy or this or that. I'm just saying like frustration of, you know, you don't know what to do now. Like you, you put them in a hard position. I'm sure all of us can relate to being having been put in a hard decision by your opponent, and you know that hard decision is frustrating. So, you know, any time you can throw a wrench in your opponent's game plan, you know, you just increase your chances of win, you know, doing that much better because you know their their chances of messing up or making the wrong decision is really high. And not only that, you know, they might make a decision based on, you know, the obvious choice, and that could be part of your game plan too, okay? I'm going to give them this hard decision with one, you know, being an obvious choice. So it's hard because it's a lose-lose, but it's still obvious that, okay, I I guess I have to do this one even though I don't want to do it. And then you have another trick up your sleeve that, you know, like I said, like, um, parlay like you could put your guys in a certain position where they have to move a different guy when they really wanted to move this guy and then now it gives you one activation later to parlay that unit and they go well had i known that i would have moved them you know just examples like that i think uh you know the key takeaway with the Brathians is you can do so many cool things with this faction, but you kind of have to think outside the box uh, with them. You know, I think you know they again, like Starks, have so much potential to be, you know, still win tournaments and still do amazing at tournaments. But you have to use every part to your advantage. So, with that, you know, said you're going to have to, you know, list idea that does something very unique and strong that your opponent's not going to expect to give you that upper hand. Uh, Whereas, you know, you, whereas running, let's say like your traditional Elden list uh, will be super strong, but uh, it won't give you that upper hand. You'll basically be trying to run the super strong list against someone else's super strong list, and then hope that you're going to just be able to outplay them uh, or just somehow, you know, beat them out in other ways but you can still run something super strong like the Davolis, uh may not be as powerful as Elden, like you know point for point but has so many other tricks that your opponent's not gonna you know it's going to give you that upper hand in that way so with that rant over what do you think brett Sorry,
1: I I think you're um, muted. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Now, as far as the Baratheons go, I think I think um, Andrew Esterman is also a pretty good commander. You didn't mention him. I think he's definitely got some cool plays. Um, I played the gentleman. uh, His handle on Discord is Stannis One Thousand Lord Commander. Um, He played a he played an Andrew card that uh, he basically dealt himself two wounds. Uh, to get some effect, but he dealt two wounds to his Dragonstone Noble, and then that one Dragonstone Noble, like, hulked out, and (laughs) I know this isn't something that's, like, super repeatable and would happen all the time, but his one Dragonstone Noble killed Slademan, the Mountain That Ride, and a unit of Warrior Sons, and he was well on his way to killing my other unit of warrior sons and that the game just ran out of time. And I just barely beat him by playing the mission. But this, this Dragonstone noble went nuts. But I think for the most part, you know, when we're talking about, um, when we're talking about, um, factions that are good and, and things that are going, I think the Stannis side of Baratheon generally does okay-ish. Um, I think a lot of the reason that some of the factions that are doing okay do okay is because outside, and this goes back to the NCU as well, because outside of the U, those factions have a four-point activation. So the Lannisters have Poor Fellows. The Greyjoys have two units. Free Folk obviously have Trappers and Raiders. Um, Ninth Watch has Conscripts. Um, and then Baratheons have Dragonstone Noble. So that kind of leaves the Renly side that doesn't have that as an option. Neutrals that don't have that as an option. And I think that's it, right? Everybody else has a 4 yeah, unit. Yeah, I mean, because
0: you got the Wolves for Starks. But that's yeah. another point to s- mention, though, is that um, Starks and Baratheons could also be lumped into that category if you're not going to count Solos. Because Solos, though they are a cheap activation, Kind of have to sit in the backfield a bit more um, the dragonstone noble not as much but still you can't you can't be super willy nilly with them you know you, you got to be a little more careful whereas the other four pointers you can kind of throw them into things,
1: yeah to some extent I mean particularly the poor fellows, I think that their primary job is tar hitting um, I mean you're just not really breaking the world open with poor fellows you know they they can don't get me wrong, they have um, <laughs> the ability to get re-rolls and precision, you, you know, you can have some pretty crazy dice rolls, and then additionally, if you're playing them with the High Sparrow, they can get plus one to hit and Sundering from Wrath of the Warrior, uh, you know, hitting on fours with rerolls, precision, Sundering, they'll, they'll do some damage. Um, and then, of course, with Gregor's commander in them, or his, I don't know why you would put Lord Tywin's Mad Dog, I guess you could. But then, obviously, doing the auto-wounds. <laughs> if you want to get super fancy, I guess you could put Mandon Moore in them to let them hit on fours with rerolls. Um, but, you know, outside of that, they're mostly a tar pit. I think there's much better choices if you're buying attachments like that to put into the poor fellows to increase their damage, you'd be better off putting that attachment in another unit like mountains men or even guard. I think putting offensive attachments in guard, it's similar to putting the sworn sword captain in black guard or Tolly shields. You know, if you can take a unit that people just don't want to engage, they don't even want to mess with, you can give them some teeth one way or another. Uh, and then they have to, they have to pay attention to them. They have to recognize them as a threat, and I think that you're putting yourself in an advantage, which actually makes me wonder. Do you, think, do you think Lord Tyone's mad dog in a unit of guardsmen? I mean, it gives them the potential to make a really long charge, and they're doing two wounds. Their morale's kind of bad. They could pretty easily fail that morale test. They don't have anything to lose by failing it either.
0: Well, the other funny part is you could – what you could do is, like, go first um, and get the free maneuver, and then march. And if it's, like, the five-objective list, you know, you could, like, then charge and get to a unit possibly before they get onto their side objective.
1: (laughs) And then force them to engage you. Yep. You know, just in general – I think, I think I'm think i just going to try it, just just on principle. I think I'm going to try <laughs> Guardsmen with Lord Tywin's Mad Dog. I, I think it would work best in a Tyrion or a Tywin list, which, of course, Tyrion and Tywin just make everything better. That's the other thing with Lannisters. Their, their commanders are really well-rounded. I like all of them. It's really difficult to pick a commander. But I could see it in a Sparrow list, too. Wrath of the Warrior, letting you hit on threes. Thundering, two auto wounds from wherever you want not bad i might give it a try i think that's the thing with guards and no just nobody wants to attack them the only time you're attacking them is if you're in their flank in their rear or if you've got a panicked and vulnerable token on them and you've got sundering and you're you're thinking that you can at least knock one rank off but certainly with a vanilla attack no sundering or anything there i just don't think anybody wants to do that like yeah they're gonna save on threes and i've got like six attacks It'll be fine. Uh, I'll just attack them. It's fine if I take, you know, seven wounds back <laughs> from Lannister's supremacy. No <laughs> big deal.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's really and scary especially scary. if you can get, uh, especially if you can get Lannister pays his debts on that unit.
1: Oh, def- I've, now I've, I've I've had that <laughs> happen. I've had that happen in a game. I, I was playing a mirror match. And he put Lannister Pace's death on the guardsman and I was like, uh, <laughs> well, um, I can't really ignore them anymore. Now they're hitting on threes with Vicious, so uh, it's going to be... Yeah, but even with, uh, uh, with the Mad
0: Dog, is. the Mad Dog doing those oh, okay. auto wounds, yeah. triggering that Vicious.
1: Definitely worse. Seven-point units out there.
0: It's worth trying. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> is it better than um, Warrior
1: Sun? I don't know different roles I guess be worth trying yeah the Warriors just I'd so say
0: it, it would be a solid seven point to give it a try um, yeah and you know the last one I wanted to kind of discuss is uh, um, neutrals so the reason I want to discuss neutrals is because they're so good but I feel like their downside is their lack of selection uh, so a lot of their lists tend to be a lot more predictable um, because with such a smaller unit selection, they uh, and obviously if you were to just put neutrals in a vacuum and Lannisters in a vacuum, let's say, for example, then it's not that big of a difference, but when you have Lannisters who can also take neutrals, that's kind of what I'm uh... to when I, I talk about unit selection because you just have the neutrals and i feel like neutrals are either just the units are just okay you know they're like they're worth their points and they're good or they're amazing like and so i think that disparity th- that um... what's the word i'm looking for that uh... that difference in the units is uh... you know it makes it hard to Kind of build outside the box, uh, and I know a lot of people can't stand cutthroats. You know, they they think they're, you know, they compare them to the the one point six, and I, I can't really blame them. But then again, like cutthroats, I you know what kind of opened my eyes to cutthroats were actually Greyjoy Reavers. Now I am going to go on the record and say that I think Greyjoy Reavers are just better, but not like blow you know, blown out of the water better, but I just mean just barely. Just They're barely better. But with that said, you compare Cutthroats to Great Joy Reavers and they're almost identical with just barely different effects. Uh, I believe their attack profiles are identical. Their movement, their defense, their morale, all identical. It's really you're just trading that um, Vicious for Sundering and then you're trading the plus one to hit um, for every pillage for the when attacking and unactivated you get rerolls and vulnerable. With that said, I've run actually a lot of lists now. It's, uh, um, where is it? I want to say it's um, Blackguard. So it's Roost and Blackguard. And it's Cutthroats, 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 and Housebolt and Slade Men. Um and then uh, let's see and then I run Peter and Tycho and then with those three extra points I put uh, um what are they called now I always get the two mixed up it's the prey on fear the Dreadfort captain because um, yeah. that you know that healing every time you fail a panic uh, with engaged is huge especially when you have prey on fear. Uh, from Roos, you have that uh, intimidating presence from the Fladenmen, um, you know, cutthroats might seem flimsy. And I was in agreement with Justin, we we're talking about, you know, a long time ago, even on the show that the prey and fear never really seemed to do enough healing to matter because the cutthroats either get hit so bad that they just kind of die. But, I don't know, I've played this list three times now, and it's like my favorite go-to list. Uh, and it has no Bastard Girls, which, even though Flayed Men are amazing, I consider Bastard Girls like the best neutral unit, and I would even say arguably the best seven-point in the game. But uh, you know, so I think you know people will underestimate you know Cutthroats with a uh, with a Dreadfort Captain, um, and you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, the take a second look, I guess is the, uh, one point I want to get across is some of the attachments that you looked at and you just thought, you know, on paper, you know, there's no way I've played that in 1.6. It's just, it's not really worth it. I'd say, take a second look and then don't convince yourself until you've actually played, uh, I would say at least three games with it. Uh, I think that's a good solid test. Um, and, you know, get an idea for, you know, how it really plays on the field because, um, you know, with things hitting not as hard, your cutthroats aren't going to explode the way they used to in 1.6. Uh, now, they are still flimsy, don't get me wrong. They are still, you know, you're, you know, as far as this game is concerned, you know, one of the weakest, uh like 12 model trays out there, you know, five, seven. There's only a handful that's worse than that, a lot that are equal to that. But, um, you know, with that prey on fear, especially, you know, they even if they hit you first, let's say you lose seven dudes. Let's say you're just still at, you know, two ranks, but barely. You know, their attack profile only goes from a seven to a six. So you only lose one die when you lose that first rank. But now when you attack back... Um, you got that vicious and, um, if they feel that panic, you're healing two guys back. Let's say, you know, you then get the next attack, like let's say next round, you actually get to go first. Now you're at the two ranks with, what is it? Seven guys we'll say now. And then you swing again. Now you have six dice sitting on force with re-rolls and they're vulnerable and you heal two more back. And now you're back to, uh... Let's see, so you're at five plus four, you're at nine. So now you're back at full ranks um, after those two attacks when they fail those two panics with the Vicious. Now, again, you're going to have to, you know, something like that, you're going to definitely want like a two-list format because you could definitely run into that scenario where it's like, oh, great, everyone has like a five-up morale, so my Vicious is only making them fail on a 50-50. So, yeah, that definitely can be a case. Um, that's why I absolutely love that you know CIMON does the two-list format. I think it allows for so much more creative freedom in your list building, knowing that you have a way to build a second list um, to help cover the things your first list is weak in. What, uh, what are your thoughts on the neutrals, Brett, as a faction?
1: Um, I think they've got some really strong units. Um I think Issue Commands is obviously a really good card. I uh, I haven't I haven't really tinkered around with them a whole lot. Um I think there's some good builds there. I think Cutthroats probably are a little bit better than what people think. Um I definitely don't think they're uh, a trash unit. But um the Flayed Men are definitely good. I don't I honestly don't know. I guess if I was running neutrals, probably run like two flayed men, bastards girls, cutthroats, and just run three NCUs just to get to seven activations, um, and just really hope that my really really nasty unit, the the double flayed men and the bastards girls, kind of got me through. But that's just not overly super creative, um, and I'm just lame like that. But <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not as fun as you, Dave. <laughs> that's what I mean, surprise i'm I'm no neutral expert I really really I really enjoyed playing neutrals in one point six. It wasn't because they were like crazy good or anything. I just really loved playing around with that deck. Just playing neutrals. It was just such a good way to really hone some of your finer skills, like just you know uh, some of your planning and and the order in which you did things, and it was just a really nice exercise in basically just getting better at the game. Uh, uh, their deck, I mean, I guess once they buff the unit, I'm, it's hard to say nerf, right, because I really hate that word. I think it was pretty obvious that Spoils of War was never going to stay at D6 plus two healing when healing is so, so, so good right now in this 2021 meta but um i really wish that they had um you know i think wealth and cunning is kind of the same if you own the letters it's two instead of three and it's not the hugest thing in the world but i really liked playing around with the old surprise strategy the old cunning scheme and adaptive methods Did, did that one change It's really essentially the same as it was before, Um, isn't
0: it? I think they just cleaned up the wording. um, But otherwise, I think it's relatively the same as it was before.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, that was just... I loved playing playing around with that card. It was one of my... Really one of my favorite cards just in the game. It was really fun setting up some some what-the-heck moments with that card and getting stuff to work That's, uh, away but
0: token one right
1: yeah moving the token around i think the old one was any time you could spend a condition token as if it were any other token and then i think if you owned the letters you could remove a condition token from one of your units and put it on another one or something like that i don't remember exactly because i wasn't exactly like a uh, a, a neutral player that played neutrals all the time, and probably in fairness, I never even played neutrals. I strictly played Roost with all Boltons. So, that was it. I, I never even played Ramsey.
0: It was just Roost.
1: it was just a game here or there just for fun. But.
0: Now, with that said, uh, I wanted to bring up, because uh, so, we're on the topic of adaptive methods, uh, Joe uh, uh, from the Brathian uh, group I apologize, Joe. I, I never can remember how to say your last name. It's like Wool, W-O-H-L. He uh, asked on the forum, uh, the CMON forums, this question, and it he apply- was more so, I think, asking for Baratheon's, like Stannis, the one true king, for his uh, ability to turn one token into another. But it also applies to the adaptive methods is that let's say you have a weakened token and a vulnerable token on an enemy and you use an effect to turn one of those tokens into something else if you decide to let's say turn that vulnerable into a weakened and there's already a weakened on the unit one of them just disappears uh... and so you'll it's basically removing the token Um, So the importance of that is if it's your own unit and you have one of each token on yourself, uh, this one, you know, start of a turn, replace one condition token on any one unit with any other condition token. And then if you control the mail, you may move one condition token from one unit to any other unit. So you could literally go, okay, I'm turning this uh, vulnerable into a weaken make make one of them disappear and then move that uh, remaining weaken over to the enemy. And now you literally just got rid of two units and weakened your opponent.
1: Yeah, but it's fun. And, and that, that, was, that was what I enjoyed about tinkering around with that card. And the old version was some of the plays that you could do with that. You know, you could remove a weakened token from your unit and then put it on an enemy and expend it as a panic or as a vulnerable on them and it was kind of like a twofer so outside of wealth and cunning uh, as I recall it was always wealth and cunning and uh, adaptive methods that I was generally trying to recycle with cunning scheme and surprise strategy and uh, maybe if I had spoils of war and I was about to kill a unit that card in 1.6 was like it could really just be a game changing card But I really wish we had Justin here to talk about neutrals. He is one of the best neutral players I've ever seen. Him and Tom Tyler and Mark Rupp. And I'm not wanting to discount anybody else who plays neutrals. I maybe just haven't studied you as much. But those three, I've kind of studied up on them and their playing, and they have been nothing short of impressive. Uh, John Cash doesn't play the game much anymore, but he was a pretty damn good neutral player as well. Um, but he's just not been playing. He's got, like, softball coaching and stuff like that that he does. Uh, I think when the faction cards come back, we'll see a little bit more of Juan De Nero because he's, he's kind of itching to play a game, but he doesn't want to play A Song of Ice and Fire until they do the faction packs. But I think he kind of switched over to Targaryens. He tinkered around with Targaryens, Cleganes, not Lannisters Cleganes only and then neutrals. So, I think he I think it was Drogo as well. Strictly Drogo. So he kind of like bad guys I guess to an extent,
0: right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it would kind be kind of kinda cool to play. see him come back. I played him at uh a Depsicon. It was a it was a really fun game.
1: Uh, yeah, he's one of the um He's one of the funnest people that you can play in person. Uh, even if he beats you, uh, he'll make it fun for you. <laughs> I know he was like really, really good at Warhammer, and he would just kick my teeth in when we played Warhammer. And it was like, well, you know, I'm getting beaten like I've never been beaten before, but I'm, you know, I'm having fun for some reason. Uh, you're making me laugh instead of being upset, so I guess that works. But yeah, he's a he's a yeah. really good guy. I really get him back playing.
0: I think it was him, and then there was a a guy playing Tyrion at Adepticon 2019, and they were, like, my two closest games. They almost, you know, I think I only won by, like, one victory point or something like that, and it was was a really fun, close game. But um, with that said, we can kind of wrap it up. We can do our uh, closeout. Sorry for that noise there. Um, We can... uh, Kind of do uh, you know kind of close out our final thoughts on the meta and the way it's shaping up. I think uh, I think it's kind of too early to tell. I think um, the obvious choices have obviously been um, you know out there and you know they're being played nonstop and you know you're seeing tweaks to the uh, you know to those lists, but I feel like again, there's a lot of people let's say majority of people, um, that are kind of stuck in the, again, that meta, that meta mentality. And so we're seeing a lot of the same stuff with slight tweaks to them. Um, I feel like it stifles creativity. Um, and I feel like a lot of the people that are really discovering the faction are kind of the, um, you know, they're kind of the, uh, you know, they're the, what, what am I looking for? Um, the, the silent majority or the si- silent minority, you know, they're, you know, they're kind of discovering all these cool things and, you know, they're not really like vocal about them. And, uh, you know, it's not like they have to be, I think it's just, you know, a lot of people are finding these cool combos, but they're not really like Okay, you know, guys, I posted on all the Facebook groups, look, this cool thing I found. So I think that kind of just lends to the fact that we are going to have to, you know, a lot more people are going to have to be discovering it because, um, Not only are a lot of people, they just probably don't even think, you know, I'm going to post all the cool stuff, you know, and no one's ever going to see it. Some people are like, you know, I found this cool combo and I don't want to reveal my secret to the world. You know, I want to go to a tournament and kind of unleash it, you know, that way, Uh, which is totally fair. I I definitely get that. Um, So uh, I, I would just say to anyone that's kind of not really sure what to do about the meta, Uh, especially if you are the type of person that wants to go against the grain. You know, they want to go, you know, they don't like building meta. They like kind of doing that counter meta or, you know, something along those lines. You know, just keep playing around as best you can. I would say the best place to start, especially if you're just playing casual games, um, you know, look at the things that uh, you really don't think are that great and start playing with them. Now I wouldn't suggest throwing as much of that stuff into the same list as you can and testing it. That a lot of times can be a recipe for disaster, especially if uh you know you you run all this crazy stuff and nothing synergizes together and then it all it, you just the list does so bad. But and you some people could equate that to everything in the list is bad. I would I would uh I would take, you know, a couple things per per game, you know, like attachment here, a unit there, uh, a couple combos and just really really try to test anything that maybe looked horrible on paper. That way, you know, in the end, you know, if you've discovered that it's still bad, you you have you have uh you know, some um some games to back up your, your data. You know, you, it's not just, okay, well this looks bad. Um, so it has to be bad, you know? So, but if you're like, I've played actually three, four, five games with this and these different scenarios against these different factions with the in, you know, this attachment inside these different units and yet no matter what I do, no matter what the situation is, it's always been it's always felt like a waste of points. That is something that it's a lot easier to listen to. You know, and take, you know you know, take into consideration. And where you just you look at it on paper and it may j- jump off the paper as, yeah, this is actually pretty bad. That's a lot different. You know, it as much as a lot of people want to believe a lot of people, you know, a lot of combinations can fly under the radar that way for example again i'll keep going back to it blackfish uh when i was running blackfish he was rated second worst on stats and a lot of people were like why are you running blackfish he's so bad (laughs) but i kept how good it was and he he rose so high up on the list compared to where he was i forget where he ended but i know it was like i think he was like bottom of the top now a lot would contribute that with the fact that he is, you know, he was in Starks and they were arguably the best if, or if not the best, the second best faction in 1.6. Um but regardless, you know, there there's a lot of things out there that you know is going to fly under the radar. Um, Brett, what uh what are kind of your thoughts or your final like close out?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think just to kind of reiterate on what you were saying with giving stuff a try, I mean, that's how that's how these lists come to be, right? Um, I think for a while you had the standard kind of Jon Snow list, but I don't think that that, even at that time, I don't think that was the best. I don't think that was the best way to play Nightwatch, you know, the Jon Snow and veterans. Some sworn Brothers or the, you know, Jon Snow and Sworn Brothers, three more Sworn Brothers ranger trackers. I think at that time the, the best way of playing Nightwatch was running blademen when they had a two-plus save. Jon Snow had an obnoxious amount of healing. Um, Amon had an obnoxious amount of healing. It was just like Nightwatch men were so hard to kill. Um, that's just one example. I know Ron and I both won some pretty big tournaments playing Nightwatch with double placement. That was very much outside of the box. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, you definitely want to just tinker around with some combinations. But most importantly, like, I, I just want to end on this note. At, at the end of the day, this game is fun. You know, we've got coronavirus coming back um, for gamers. You know, in particular, it's cost us Gen Con It's cost us Adepticon twice, right? Um, It cost us Adepticon twice, right? It cost us 2020 and 2021, yeah?
0: Correct. Yeah.
1: So just so many many conventions, so many in-person games, you know, we've had to deal with corona and keep ourselves safe. So we've got enough going on. You know, people are unemployed. People are working from home. Just so much has changed. I think it's very important to remember that this is a hobby. This is what we do for fun. You don't need to stress yourself out and, and add more, like, anger and frustration. Like, now the game that I love playing is just terrible because I can't beat this. Like, just have some fun. Talk to your friends, you know, work, and, and do something like the league that we're doing here in Indy where you get rewarded for swapping out commanders where you get rewarded for mixing up the units that you're running. You know, you get rewarded for stuff like that and play some of these campaigns that encourage you to go out and try stuff. And then that's where you'll figure out, like, hey, you know, I ran this unit just because in this campaign it was the only unit I hadn't tried and I got bonus campaign points for putting my commander in this unit. And, man, like, it was really cool. And, uh, you know, you'll discover stuff like that. But most importantly, just... Talk with your friends because if you're not playing at a tournament, you're playing with your friends, right? Talk to your friends, come to some agreements, and everybody just play some stuff that's fun and just get together and, and roll dice because that's the most important thing. So that's what I want to iterate. Worrying about, you know, who won this big TTS tournament or how many tournaments Nightwatches won or what opple's rating is or anything like that, just, Roll back with your friends, and have fun
0: exactly, and uh, one last thought on that part is you know I wanna uh kind of agree with you know just you know try to mix things up, you know, Simon is not sitting you know somewhere with their hands be- tied behind their back there they love this game, they're doing everything they can to make it the best game. I feel a little too hard on them, uh because. Though sometimes, uh, you know, it may seem like things take a little too long, but we never really know what's going on behind the scenes. I just, if something is really, like, bothering you so much that you can't, it, it prevents you from enjoying the game, just, you know that's when, you know, just kind of see if you can make a house rule, you know, temporarily, because I, and I say temporarily, because, uh, you know, I'm confident that CMON will, you know, in the end, you know, anything that is too much of a problem, you know, they'll address it once they've had time to assess the data. Um, You know, anyone who's listened to a lot of the Uh, last however many videos over talking about all the different factions knows knows that there's a ton a ton that I absolutely love with 2021 but there are handful of things that um I find to be a little too good we will put it you know like that but you know it's one of those that I figured I'll throw it out there Simon can hear hear what I have to say and um if I end up being wrong, then it you know, won't get changed, play the game. Uh, I mean, uh, when I play, uh, uh, there is no, like, restrictions. You know, it's all the games that I play every week, there is no restrictions. So We don't have any bans. Uh, we have some stuff that we, like, ask, you know, hey, if you're going to run three dragons, let me know, you know, because obviously it's going to be a very quick game if you just if you're playing a casual game and you just your random list that you pull out is like I have no answer for that and you know that's no fun because obviously the game's going to be over in a couple rounds but you know we don't outright ban anything if someone wants to run the triple dragons all the time then you know we do that or if they want to run Night's Watch uh, my nephew. uh, Plays Night's Watch, and that's his main faction. Um, So, I would say that you know, just there's the game's not perfect, but even with all its faults, I would still rather play this game than any other tabletop game that I know of. And that's not to say this game is the best game in every category ever, but just in general, factoring everything. Not in a vacuum. Just factoring the miniatures, the the game, uh, the gameplay, the community, just everything. You factor everything, and this is the game that I choose to play. Uh, after having played countless miniature games, now I may play a game here or there of other games to just kind of mix it up a bit. But uh, not there is no other game that I would choose to be like my main game. And if I thought it was some sinking ship. I'd, you know, I'd be jumping ship. You know, I, I, if, if it was like, if what I mean by that is like, if I felt like there, it was a sinking ship with no way to fix it. And I had no confidence in CIMON. I wouldn't spend, you know, all this time every week doing the show. I wouldn't be, you know, for example, this week is our shop's uh, auction and it, their auctions are huge. It's so huge that they have to run it over four days, uh, And I go and I just, I purchase all of the ice and fire that I can for super cheap, and I give it away as prize support. I, you know, I give away, I can't tell you how much stuff on this show uh, just for raffles and stuff. If I didn't absolutely love this game, no way would I be doing that because that that comes out of my pocket and the other hosts' uh, pockets to not only run this show but to get that product out there. If I didn't absolutely have that much confidence that CMON is doing a great job, you know, and like I said, nothing is perfect. Um, And I've mentioned this before, you know, uh, the 2021 got leaked, like the entire file got leaked. Uh, So we're seeing a lot of things that probably wouldn't have been things had the file not got leaked. So that's going full circle back to what I mentioned at the beginning of this show. Um, this episode is constructive criticism, you know, take it, you know, easy on Michael and the development team because, you know, nothing's ever perfect. The first draft through, if it was, you really wouldn't need play testers. Um, you know, so throw your, throw your, um, your criticism out there keep it constructive maybe even throw in some you know what your idea would be because you never know when they might look at that and you know look at your idea and be like you know they, they might not ever like say that where they got their inspiration from but it doesn't really matter if you know throwing your ideas out there Simon might see it and they might you know that seems like has potential let's throw it into the mix with our uh, with our testing and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You may, may never see the light of day. But throw your critis- criticism out there. Just make sure it's constructive. Make sure you also not only give criticism, but praise where it's due. And that's why I like to try to remind, you know, uh, especially if CMON's ever listening, you know, that I think they did an amazing job with this game Uh and you know a lot of people choose this game as their main game for a reason um, and I know in the end it'll it'll be better than it's ever been before um, but with that uh, we can kind of close out this bonus episode uh, I believe we're trying to do Targaryens part two tomorrow night um, I believe I'll have on Craig with me might have a guess might not there's a lot to discuss with Targaryen's part two with all the commanders uh, and their tax cards and whatnot. So uh, just to make sure that we can kind of deep dive the way we normally do, uh, we might just keep, uh, keep it as a small uh, cast there. But, you know, I also want to mention, you know, uh, definitely go back into our catalog, look at all of our episodes. Um, I think I was just talking to you, Brett about this, that we have like, I want to say almost 100 episodes now. I think we're getting close. Um, I think maybe we're at like 90 or something. Uh, but you know, each one is like at least an hour and a half. I mean, I haven't done the math, but the amount of content that we've actually pulled out now is massive. And most of it um, is still something that you can go back and listen to. Um, I try to label them good enough that like, you can look at the title and be like, "Okay, well, that still applies." Um, but there's there's a bunch of great episodes. Like I was saying, uh, the trappings of meta mentality, um, gaming etiquette. Uh, there's a bunch of really good ones, so I would definitely go check uh, our uh, list of episodes and go back and listen to some if uh, if you're maybe new or if maybe you didn't listen to every episode or or some of the some of the great ones. Um, but with that said, thank you again, Brett, for coming on. Definitely going to have you on more. Uh, you just – Sunday's have been kind of kind of rough.
1: Oh, yeah. I I totally understand. Um, of course, with, um, you know, I had to drop out of the Tuesday shows for, you know, family reasons and stuff. So um, it's been a little bit of a conflict to get us on the show together. But I've, I've definitely – missed it and I'm, I'm sorry for everybody listening today i uh, if i sound anywhere close to how i feel then i definitely feel badly for you guys <laughs> but i know i feel like absolute garbage and i know i'm probably pretty nasally and stuff so um sorry you're having to listen to that but uh, it was nice to get on here and talk and you know hopefully if anything i know i know we had some of the listeners message after the last episode where you know we were talking about guardsmen again and i i said something about the sentinel enforcer and then and then i know some people have given that a try since then and apparently it works pretty well <laughs> which is good to know but uh even if we just gave anybody some ideas you know to to go out and give some things to try in their local community I, I think it's cool but uh there's some other stuff that i have that i think is is worth trying out, but I guess we'll have to save those for another episode and we'll kind of get to those as they are, but just kind of to remind you, I'm in the same spot, you know, I, uh, I still don't know, uh, what's the best combinations and I still, I still get surprised in, in games, and I'm like, you know, I didn't really think of that. That's a really nice thing. So, you know, just give it a little bit of time and, I'm sure, you know, three months, Dave, it's nice for you to put that in perspective. We've had 2021 for three months by no, in, in no way, shape, or form is that enough time for CMON to kind of gut reaction and, and make some really severe changes um, because I think we've seen in previous adjustments, you know, even the tiniest little tweaks have these crazy ripple effects and it's just, it's, it's, I mean, it's really like the butterfly effect, right? So you, you make this one change and it doesn't just impact that one faction. It impacts everybody else, like the simple change from, okay. Dire wolves are going to be worth a point now. So that's a risk factor for the start. So we're going to drop brain and Ricken by one point and you know, the implications that that hat were massive because now, you know, people just start squeezing them in their list starts got to nine to 10 activations comfortably and didn't seem like that much of a change and at the time i remember stark players were howling like oh the wolves are worth a point they will never see play and then
0: <laughs> in the
1: end in the end it went, what was more wolves are robbed with three you know it was like standards like playing stark how many wolves am i playing is it one two or three today you know so that's just to put that into perspective and remind everybody you know you don't want to just go making sweeping changes just because people are frustrated right now. They need to see everything because they've got to be able to determine like, okay, if we make this change, what does it free up in some of these other factions? Because what's really powerful right now is is keeping that in check. So if we remove that, is this thing that was being kept in check now, does it need adjusted too? And it's just not easy. I don't envy them. So,
0: yeah, and a perfect example of what you're saying, like that butterfly effect. That Ripple is neutral. It's just any neutral unit. You know, you change anything on them, and it it affects every faction. You know, so um, you, it's not as easy to balance things as people may see, think, because a lot of people are coming at this from a single or two faction perspective. You know, uh, the Ramifications of a change, you know, over the course of all eight factions is, uh, you know, a much bigger picture. Um, and, you know, there's a lot more to it. It's, it's not just kind of black and white. There's, there's a lot of things that go into balancing something. Not only, like, thematically, balance, and, uh, you know, just the fun factor uh, has a lot to play with it. There are a lot to do with it. So, um, again, I have full faith in Simon. I think, uh, they're, they're going to get to it. Um, you know, to everything, we just kind of have to give them time. Uh, again, it's growing pains, uh, that we kind of have to just push through. If anything, this is the best time for it to be that way while things are still kind of restricted or locked down or all that stuff. Uh, you know uh it's definitely in my opinion way better than having this when it's full blown uh everything's open again, and we're having you know major events like once a month and uh you know your locals are booming with people' because that's when you're gonna have a lot of people experiencing some of these things and they're they're not really gonna like what they see uh and you know you're gonna have a lot of people kind of upset with some of the stuff right now i think again it's a perfect time to have it uh and i think simon um is is doing a great job and we'll see uh what the future uh holds with that said thank you all for listening this long uh i know our our content is so much longer than a lot of other stuff out there but uh, you know we really want to when we take do a topic we really want to deep dive we really want to give you you know kind of all aspects we want to just you know give you so much information that you can kind of walk away with a lot of uh you know tips tricks and things you hopefully uh you know help expand your your horizon of you know some things that you can do with this game you know i appreciate you know everyone that listens to it. and uh, again remember guys that we do our show live uh so um you know I know we kind of haven't been on our normal schedule, you know, every other Tuesday, every other Sunday, things just kind of been a little hectic. Uh, So we've been kind of doing it when we can. Tuesdays have been fairly consistent, but Sundays have kind of been sporadic. Um, But just remember, you can always, uh, you know, call in uh, and jump on. We love to have callers on um, to kind of give their thoughts. And if you can't call because, you know, the timing is, you know, where you would be, like, at work or something or somewhere where you can't be on the phone, you can uh, join our Discord, and we have a tab in there where you can, you know, send your your, your questions or comments via text, uh, and we can uh, read it out uh, during the show. Um, and then for those that don't want to do either of that, you just want to join our Discord and kind of do some discussion after the fact, or we have, uh, you know, new revealed... Uh, we always post all the new revealed stuff in there in the tab there, or we, uh, we have a tab for just posting your, um, your new projects that you're working on for painting. Uh, and with that said, we actually, you know, that's another reason we do this long form, uh, content is, uh, I'm a painter, Brett's a painter. It's always nice to have something really long that you can listen to and just hammer out a ton of hobbying. Um, I can't tell you like, uh, I can't speak for all content creators but me personally I've listened to practically every episode of every content creator that does a podcast and I'm I'm I like I've run out of things to listen to. I'm going to have to like start audiobooks or something because I've listened to like all chases stuff, all of Sunday slaughter stuff, all of um tabletop Warden's and stuff that's in English uh all of uh you know the stats guys, all of um George from 3Sales, just like everyone. So with that said, if you guys have uh, some content creators that maybe I haven't mentioned that does podcasts in English, uh, definitely send them my way because I am running dry on content to listen to myself. Um, So, uh, so yeah, um, definitely uh, best thing you can do to help us out. We don't have a Patreon or anything, but um, just go to our Facebook uh, page like share it out do whatever you can we are on so many platforms that you can listen to us on we got blog talk radio itunes google play spotify stitcher podtail podbay owltail and tune in and we might even have one or two others that uh i don't even remember that we have because we just we sign up for anything you guys recommend because we could kind of care less where you guys listen to us on if there's a platform that you're like oh man i'm from this part of the world and we don't really have any of those this is kind of the main one we listen to send it our way and we'll we'll sign up and um have our episodes ported over to uh that platform um but without further ado we will uh end this episode thank you again so much brett for coming on this was definitely a great episode
1: It was all my pleasure. Um, again, you know, it's, it, it feels like it's been a long time since I got on here, so I'm glad to be getting <clears throat> getting an opportunity to talk. And you know, like I said, I'm I'm aware that that some people are going to listen to it and be like, "Oh, well, Brett's just you know being a a seamon mouthpiece again and sticking out for them and making excuses." And I just don't feel that way. I genuinely I genuinely feel like I'm I'm seeking what I truly believe. And, and I think that for a lot of the things that I'm saying, it's backed up by data that's being collected. Um, there's, there's been some, some shifting around at the top. And then definitely towards the middle, there's been some shifting around and, and there are answers to some of the things that people just thought were unbeatable. And I, I definitely do believe that, uh, you know, as gamers, we're not always the most patient group, and I think that was exacerbated by going through the pandemic and then having uh, the 1.6. You know, it kind of lasted longer than I think Simon wanted it to. I think they planned for 2021 to be done and ready sooner, but they were also hindered by um, by COVID because their playtesting got messed up, and then they had to turn to TPS, and it's just not what they had planned. So. Um, you know, TTS games take substantially longer than playing in person. So I think the average in-person game is what, like an hour and a half hour and 45 minutes. TTS games run yep. two to three yep. hours or more. So if you think about that, you know, even if you call it the short end of two, that, so every three games, you're losing a whole game of play testing just because you're playing on TTS. So um, that said, you know, um, it was nice to talk, and, um, yeah, I can't I'll, – I'll see what we can do to schedule another episode.
0: Yeah, exactly. we still got to do that, uh, the redo Free Folk uh, Part 2, um, just again, I want to apologize to anyone listening. Uh, I know the, the audio was kind of bad, but, um, you know, uh, anyone that listened to – or was it? free folk part one I'll have to go back I deleted the one that was kind of bad but uh, we have a we'll redo that one for the free folk players out there Um, but otherwise I mean we have we have so much content that we want to come out with but I want to finish this little series we have of all the factions because a lot of it has to do with kind of the overall factoring everything in and I don't want to kind of discuss those topics until we've kind of already Thoroughly gone through every faction, so I'm definitely excited for all of that. Um, with yeah, that said, the, getting... it... oh, go ahead. Would you have the
1: split? The split. <laughs> the split second we cover every faction, we'll have a wave of updates, and then it it, it just completely changes the entire look of the whole faction. Like you just got to go go back and redo everything and talk about the new synergies that exist or whatever, whatever have you. But I'm just being facetious. Yeah, to...
0: exactly. Well, yeah, especially because if we gotta like talk about certain combos or things in certain episodes, but we haven't even done the deep dive of a certain faction, then it might seem redundant when we finally do the deep dive of that faction. So, I mean, either way, I guess it's redundant, but it'll be even more redundant for people who are trying to go too the specific faction episode to get nothing but that faction um I'd rather be just a little more redundant when we do the overview and maybe touch on some of the things that um factor in all the other factions with with it in context so but um again uh, as we keep rambling and rambling rambling and we got like 3 minutes left on the show <laughs> uh, you know again thank you all for listening in This is a small council radio and it is dismissed.